The Jets play the Dolphins this weekend. Today I join Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins for Crossover Thursday, ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, December 16th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you for making this show your first listen each day. Ahead, I will be joining Kyle Krabs, the host of Locked On Dolphins. We will have our crossover Thursday show to preview this weekend's game between the Jets and the Dolphins. Before we get to that, though, a few pieces of Jets news to discuss. Now, yesterday there was an announcement that the Jets were awarded international marketing rights to the United Kingdom, and it's part of this program the NFL is running, the International Home Marketing Area, and when I first heard about it, it sounded like a big deal. It sounded like the Jets are going to be playing a lot more games in London, and then you look into it a little deeper, and it's really just kind of a business thing. It's like a marketing thing. Nick Mangold was named an ambassador, which I think means he's going to do some promotional events. Here's the key part, though. The Jets will be playing at least one international game in the next eight seasons, and the the league will use its best efforts to ensure that that game is in the United Kingdom. And I read that, and I was like, well, what's the big deal? The Jets have played two games in the UK in the last eight years, so, so you're telling me they may play one game there in the next eight years? So a lot of attention to this announcement, but I guess not that big of a deal. In more significant news, there are some positive developments on the injury front for the Jets. Robert Sala has indicated that it's likely Michael Carter will return to the lineup this weekend. Listen, the Jets could use Michael Carter, and they could also use Tevin Coleman. It's funny to look back early in the season. I was very skeptical of Tevin Coleman, and he's really kind of won me over recently. And in addition to that, Coleman was a full participant in practice Listen, after the performance Ty Johnson put on last weekend, dropping all those passes. Now, I think one of them was not his fault, to be fair, but Ty Johnson has really not performed. So it certainly seems like the Jets are on track to get both of their top two running backs in the lineup this weekend. So that's a positive note. In a more negative note, and this is a day that you look at the injury report, because the first injury report comes out on Wednesday. So it's always interesting to see who's hurt, because sometimes a guy shows up on the list and you don't realize that he's hurt. The Jets have some issues on the offensive line right here. George Fant missed the practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. You know, who would have ever thought I would be saying this, but the Jets really need Fant in there. He's been very good this season. Now, I don't think he played that well last weekend, but Fant's had a very solid season, and the Jets have enough issues on offense, and Zach Wilson has enough issues that, you know, you don't really need to lose a guy who's been pretty good at the left tackle position. Additionally, the right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, limited in practice with an ankle injury. So Jets are banged up on the offensive line, and you don't want to be banged up on the offensive line. And here's the other aspect of this that's worth watching, and you have to watch as you get, you get later into the week, because sometimes a guy misses practice on Wednesday, and then he's back in there Thursday. You know, Wednesday could just be kind of a day to rest. But there also is the possibility that if somebody's on the injury report and they're limited in practice, even if they play, they could be a little compromised. They might not be at 100% that could impact their play. And of course, you know, we're getting to the point late in the season 
where everybody's injured. And that's why I think Miami kind of has an advantage going into this game, because the Dolphins are coming off their bye week. I generally prefer, and I think the Jets' bye week actually came at a decent time this year because they had some injuries they were dealing with when they had their early season bye after the London game against the Falcons. But a bye in the early to middle stages of December, I think, can be a pretty big advantage for the stretch run. Although I'm going to ask Kyle about that because when I speak with Kyle Krabs in a few minutes for our crossover Thursday show, because I could see it going either way. I could see Miami saying, okay, well, now we can get our guys rested for the stretch run. On the other hand, the, the Dolphins were playing pretty well. And I don't know if you want to break up the momentum. So I'll be interested to hear what Kyle has to say about that. But anyway, you look across the rest of the injury report. Uh, Sheldon Rankins was out of practice with a knee injury. John Franklin Myers was limited himself with a knee injury. So some key Jets, you know, dealing with some injuries. Michael Carter II was a full participant in practice. Again, he had been in the concussion protocol. Trevon Wesco, full participant in practice. And Quinnen Williams, who was playing hurt on Sunday. And listen, I think Quinnen Williams, by any possible measurement, has been a disappointment this season. I will say this for him. I mean, it was clear, dude, the end of that game against the Saints, he was playing hurt. He was not 100%. He was dealing with a shoulder injury. The Jets kind of expressed optimism after the game that he would be fine. And at least we can see, as far as Wednesday goes, he was a full participant at practice. So, you know, the Jets, things are not going very well. And while that's maybe not the most devastating injury report, there are a number of key players on the injury report playing against what's going to be a pretty fresh Miami Dolphins team. But now let's talk about this Dolphins team. Ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, I'll be joining my friend Kyle Krabs. Kyle and I speak every time the Jets are about to play the Dolphins, two games a year, AFC East matchup. Kyle will lead us back in as we turn to crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Jets podcast. Of course, with the Jets out of the playoff race, many of you are going to be focusing on fantasy football this weekend. Some may be playing in playoff games. Others of you may prefer daily fantasy sports. And nobody plays to lose, especially in daily fantasy sports. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy leagues are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first-of-its-kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner-take-all. And the crazy part is Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your own fate. And with Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero is head to head, what daily fantasy sh- should be, one on one. And this week, Stat Hero is throwing out a lineup that could include Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not an easy task, but I'm sure you're up to it. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It's time for another crossover edition. 
I'm Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, joined by John Butchko of Locked On Jets. AFC East Clash Week 15. Uh, two teams with sub-500 records. I think both teams probably hoping their season would have gone a little differently than what it has to this point in time. But nevertheless, anytime these two teams face off against each other, it's always a compelling matchup. So, John, first and foremost, how has uh, the last couple of weeks treated you and the Jets since the last time we had a chance to catch up? I'm doing great, Kyle. The Jets, however, are not. Uh, they are coming off some ugly losses. Now, a couple of weeks back, they did beat the Houston Texans in a game where they dominated the second half, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They held the Texans to 45 yards in the third and fourth quarters combined. That was a very good day for the Jets, but there have not been many good days this season. And the two weeks that have followed, have both brought about some pretty ugly losses, one to the Philadelphia Eagles, then last weekend to the Saints. And that defensive domination against Houston was very short-lived. It was kind of an anomaly this season because the Jets have probably the worst defense in the NFL, and the Eagles and Saints both had field days against their defense. The Saints game was especially frustrating because even though the Saints do have Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill was clearly injured. He has... He had an injury on his finger. He was having issues throwing the ball. The Saints offense was relegated to the run game. It was relegated to the screen game, the check down game. Anytime Taysom Hill was trying to throw the ball and it was good, he was trying to throw it more than five yards down the field. The pass was very erratic, yet somehow the Jets allowed over 200 yards on the ground and Hill's average per attempt was over eight yards. So that tells you the type of tackling the Jets were doing. It's been ugly and you know, I'm sure we'll get into Zach Wilson. It's not going well for Zach Wilson right now. This has pretty much been the nightmare scenario you would have had heading into the season for Zach Wilson. It's just not clicking for him. So there's not a lot going right for the Jets right now. Yeah, I, I before we get into Zach, and I'm really interested in, in getting your thoughts on him because obviously he missed the first matchup between these two teams. I wanted to know, John, what, what's the thing about this team that is going to be most different than the first time these two teams played each other about a month ago? Um, I wonder the confidence level of the Jets right now. You know, that was not a great team heading into that first meeting, but this is a team that's very, very down right now. They, as I mentioned, they've been beaten pretty handily the last couple of weeks at three and 10 you wonder how much fight they have left in them i mean they this is not a team that's shown a lot of fight the last couple of of weeks and you know i honestly am not sure where their heads are at right now i I don't know that this team's playing with much confidence and you wonder whether these guys are looking now towards the end of the season is that something that you get a sense of from listening to them throughout the course of the week as well or is that just something you're kind of seeing on game day it seems more on game day, you know, during the week, they're saying all the right things. But one of the things that really bothers me about this team is like just how little fight they're showing in these games. There's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a big guy who like looks at like passion on the sidelines or anything like that, but it's just, you get this sense whenever they fall behind, it's going to be an uphill climb. And, you know, part of that's the offensive struggles. Part of that's the defense kick and a stop right now. There's just not a lot. This team does well at the moment. So, 
you, you mentioned offensive struggles and you've already mentioned Zach Wilson and, and kind of the trials and tribulations of, which Dolphins fans know a lot about of a young quarterback. We just did this process last year, so we can certainly sympathize with an investment that you made in, in a player in the top five that probably hasn't gone the way you would have hoped for it to have gone. So if you had to try to compartmentalize how much of Zach Wilson's struggles are Zach Wilson? How much of Zach Wilson's struggles are the offensive infrastructure from a personnel standpoint? And how much of Zach Wilson's struggles are from a coaching perspective? You know, how would you attribute what we're seeing uh, from Zach, who I believe has uh, six touchdown passes to 11 interceptions at this point in the year? You know, it's a great question, Kyle. And at the beginning of the season, a lot of Jets fans would have put most of the blame on the offensive coordinator, Michael LaFleur. But then something happened. Zach Wilson suffered an injury, and Mike White came in and threw for 405 yards. And suddenly, Michael LaFleur didn't look so bad. And then you had a game where Josh Johnson, who had been on the Jets practice squad, just signed with Baltimore to their active roster yesterday. He came in against the Colts, and a lot of it was in garbage time of a blowout, but he played pretty well. And then you saw Joe Flacco, the first game these teams played. Mm -hmm. Flacco wasn't great, but his performance was still probably better than what we've seen from Zach Wilson most of the season. So I got to be honest with you, I don't put a lot on the coaching staff. I think a lot of Wilson's errant throws have come because he's not taking what's been given to him. I think Mike LaFleur has done actually done a pretty decent job of drawing up simple concepts, trying to simplify the game for him. And Zach's not taking advantage. Now, I think the infrastructure plays a role in it. I think last weekend in particular, I mean, the Jets were without a lot of playmakers. They were without their top two receivers, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. They were without their top two running backs, Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman. And listen, there were some drops. There were some balls that should have been caught that were that were not caught by receivers Wilson threw to. There were also plays that could have been made that receivers did not make. But some of those were off-target throws that Wilson made plays that were made probably a little bit more difficult because his ball placement wasn't there. It's difficult to say how much is the supporting cast because you have to remember, we've been watching Sam Darnold the last couple of years, and you mm-hmm. want to talk about a player who had no supporting cast, it was Sam Darnold. And there's no question Wilson's supporting cast is better. It's not a great supporting cast, but I, I think it's good enough that a rookie quarterback should be able to work with it. I think a lot of it's just Wilson is kind of lost right now. And I kind of wonder where his confidence level is because, you know, I'm watching him play mechanically. It's not there. I mean, I, I go back and I watch the film and sometimes I'm not even sure like what reads he's making. I'm not sure who the first option is. Cause I don't really know. It looks like he's looking one way, but his feet are set a different way. It seems like his head's kind of spinning. It seems like he's having issues identifying coverages. He's not confident in his movements within the pocket. The accuracy is just not there. I mean, Wilson came into the NFL with a reputation for being incredibly accurate. And I mean, even short passes are very labored these days. I mean, there have been some ground balls on simple screen throws, simple dump offs. You know, I, th- I think Zach Wilson's head is just not in a, the right place right now. And, you know, it's one of those things I kind of go back and forth on. You know, on the one hand, this is a lost season for the Jets. So you want to get him some reps. You know, there's mm-hmm. something to be said for, letting the young quarterback go out there and learn and make his own mistakes. But Wilson almost seems so lost right now that I kind of wonder whether he would, whether he might be better served just sitting right now, maybe getting his head straight, maybe working on the practice field in the lower pressure situation 
than going out there kind of looking like he's in over his head and failing. I mean, I think it's an open question right now, but to get back to your question, I mean, I think you'd put, I put most of it on Zach Wilson right now. I mean, they're play again, there are plays that should be made. There could be more talent on this offense, but I, I think it's more him. I think that there are lots of quarterbacks who could be fine within this infrastructure and he's just having issues. So one of the, the things that is a storyline for both of these teams coming into this game is players who may or may not be available. You know, the Dolphins, they, they currently have one running back on the roster that's not on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, standout rookie safety Javon Holland uh, is currently also on the reserve COVID-19 list. And his absence, I think, would, would really kind of help to um, mitigate the Dolphins' ability to throw a lot of exotic stuff at a young quarterback whose head does seem to be swimming. But, John, I wanted to ask you of players on the Jets' roster, uh, aside of Carl Lawson, who, who didn't get a chance to see the time this, this season, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, running back Michael Carter, offensive tackle Mekhi Becton, wide receiver Corey Davis, wide receiver Elijah Moore, tight end Tyler Croft. Who is the one that the Jets have missed or you anticipate will continue to miss the most from the time that they are not on the field playing with the offensive unit? I think it's Elijah Moore because he was really beginning to come on when he got injured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kyle, you go back to training camp, and I probably mentioned this the first time we spoke a few weeks back. There were big things expected from Elijah Moore going back to training camp. And then he suffered an injury and missed the preseason and got off to a slow start to the season. And he was in the concussion protocol a little while back but things were really beginning to click for him. And you guys saw that in the first game, he had the big touchdown against the dolphins. It was his first 100 yard game of his career. And the jets began to get more creative the way they were using him. They were using him on end arounds on jet sweeps on screens. They were figuring out ways to get in the ball in space. So he became a guy, first of all, was a reliable target is good route runner. So he could move the chains. He could make big plays, but you could also manufacture touches for him. And especially when you have a struggling quarterback, I think having a guy like that, kind of a security blanket, when you know you're maybe not confident in what you're doing, you can just flip the ball out to him and know that you'll get five, six, seven yards because, and not have to do a whole lot. To me, that's the guy. You know, There are a number of other guys who are important. Michael Carter was having a really good rookie season. And you know the Jets are hoping to get him back at some point. And Tevin Coleman, you know, older back who kind of sounds like he's on track to return this weekend and has been playing well the last couple of weeks. Now he sat out the game against the saints. He's, he's been solid also, but I'd go with Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is a guy that jets have missed. And even though he's only, you know, he hasn't been out that long, but it really seems like he was beginning to come into his own and it's just tough to lose him at the point the jets lost him at. John, I want to end my questioning of you on a high note here. So I want you to tell me the most pleasant surprise for the New York jets to this point in the season. You know, I've mentioned that Zach Wilson has been struggling, but I have to say, and I, I know it's tough to say, look past the quarterback you drafted second overall, but if you look past the quarterback you drafted second overall, there's a lot to like. I mean, you could say that there are four starters who have contributed as rookies who look like they're players for this team. You have, we just talked about Elijah Moore, and I talked about Michael Carter. You have Elijah Vera Tucker, a guard who, been a little up and down lately, but really it looks like he's on his way to becoming a quality starting guard. And then you also have Michael Carter, the second, who's done a good job as a slot corner. Now he's struggled a little bit lately, but four guys 
who look like quality starters from day one for this team. I mean, that's a pretty solid draft. Now, if you're asking me for veterans, I mentioned Tevin Coleman, who's come on a little bit lately, but a guy who has been very good, who unfortunately for the Jets is on the injury report. He did not practice on Wednesday. That's George Fance. He was signed last year as a free agent from Seattle. He was the right tackle all season and was not that great. Started game one this year. Maybe the worst player on the field for the Jets against Carolina, but Makai Becton, the left tackle, got hurt in that game. Fant slid over to the left tackle and been really solid. It kind of surprising given how bad he was last year. And I think a lot of Jets fans were worried when Fant had to move to left tackle, but he's stabilized that position. Now, again, we may be at without him on Sunday, but you know those are the guys who I think have been really pleasant surprises for this football team this season. John and I sitting here kicking it on a crossover Thursday edition. Uh, but John and I are also both styling and profiling. Thanks to our friends over at Stance, re- renovating and renewing the perception on athletic wear with super comfortable and stylish socks, undergarment, sweatwear, active wear, you name it. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, Quality and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic along with some pop culture's hottest collaborators in the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Bet Online has you covered for all your betting needs. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football, can se- football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your sports action this season and every Season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of these amazing offers and more available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. It's Thursday, and you know what that means here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Crossover Thursday. I'm John Butchko with Locked On Jets here with Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. We just talked about the Jets in our last segment. Now it's my turn to ask Kyle about the Dolphins. And Kyle, it seems like it's been kind of a tale of two seasons for the Dolphins. Big expectations heading into the year. A tough beginning to the season, but they've been playing a lot better of late. Of course, we saw some of that a few weeks back when they beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. Tell us what's been different during this winning streak. What's been happening that did not happen early in the season when the Dolphins got off to such a slow start? Yeah, it's it has been a tale of two seasons. And as you mentioned, expectations for this team after winning 10 games last year were high. And then you beat New England in week one and the excitement kind of really crescendos from there. And then seven straight losses, a couple of games that you gave away the Jacksonville game really hurt. The Dolphins had the lead in the final two minutes against Atlanta before giving up a game winning field goal because Kyle Pitts made an incredible play on Xavier Howard. 
Uh, the overtime loss to the Raiders, which Miami really didn't have any business being in late in the game, but they did manage to get that game into overtime. They lost all three of those games. The last play of the game from scrimmage was a game-winning kick by the opposing team. And, and at this point, now that Miami has run off five straight wins and they're sitting at six and seven, one and a half games out of the seventh seed, which is the Buffalo Bills right now in the AFC, you really sit here and start to play the coulda, shoulda, woulda game. But this is a team that I think was young. I think they took for granted how young they were. I think they took for granted the growing pains that may be required when you get a lot of young coaches. Uh, they got a lot of coaches on this staff that only have a couple of years experience in the NFL, pulled a couple guys from the uh, college ranks, and it, it really felt like that first half of the season in tandem with all of the rumors that dogged this team about their reported interest in Deshaun Watson all the way through the trade deadline. Uh, those things I think took their toll. And I, there's a part of me that doesn't feel as though it's a coincidence that the trade deadline comes and goes. And suddenly Tua a is playing the best football of this season without looking over his shoulder at the news headlines. So uh, whether or not that is enough when this season is over to extinguish all of those rumors that will potentially come flooding back in the off season. I don't know, but what I do know is that at the very least they have found a way to accentuate what Tua does. Well, they have found a way to utilize his skill set with so much of the RPO and quick game and use that as the extension of the running game that they just don't have the horses up front to run the football, even when they don't have three running backs on the reserve COVID-19 list. And then defensively, I think the young players, Javon Holland, uh, Jalen Phillips, those guys in the past two months have been lights out, unbelievable with the amount of impact plays that they have brought to the defense. Now, let me ask you this. The Dolphins are coming off their bye week, which I could see being kind of a double-edged sword. And I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear whether you liked the bye falling where it did, because on the one hand, I'm a big fan of the late season bye. You get to this point of the year and everybody's beat up. I like the idea of your guys getting fresh for the stretch run. On the other hand, the Dolphins were playing so well heading into the bye that I wonder if there isn't a little element of you wish you could keep it going. You don't want to break up the, of the momentum. Yeah, it's it was funny. After the game, uh, Jalen Phillips was asked after the win against the Giants, and he said, I'm ready to play the next game right now. Like, let's go strap up and play. And I certainly think the momentum that Miami has built over the last month and a half um, – you probably would have liked to have stayed in your rhythm and your routine. Um, I think Miami is, they did need the time to get healthy. They had a couple of guys, Brandon Jones being one, uh, the second year safety out of Texas, who's been very good as a strong safety, prototypical strong safety and guy with a presence in the box. He'd missed the last two games. And for a lot of these guys who had been dealing with the marathon, that is the NFL season, uh, I think the benefits of getting the rest and getting healthy, presuming that they are able to get guys like Javon Holland and potentially Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed and Philip Lindsay back from the reserve COVID-19 list, uh, but they are all reported to be vaccinated. So we are waiting for two consecutive negative tests separated by 24 hours uh, for them to be cleared. But the expectation is it could come at any stretch. Um, that is going to, outweigh the potential interruption in the season. Uh, and they have very much been beaten over the head with the messaging of one week at a time. 
You know, we, we aren't even going to act like we played the Jets earlier this season. This is a whole new matchup. It's a brand new ball game. We're trying to go one to know this week. That's been the messaging from the team and whether or not the, the players actually retain that. I guess we'll find out on Sunday. Now, could you give me a key player on offense and a key player on defense? Who are the most important guys That's, you know, outside of the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Who's the guy on each unit who really makes things go? On offense, it's Jalen Waddell, and that probably was not anticipated when you had Mike Kosecki, who's been as productive as he's been the last two years at the tight end position, and Devontae Parker, who in 2019 put up 1,200 yards. Uh, but Devontae Parker has missed about half this season with soft tissue injuries, which is not a surprise to Dolphins fans. But um, that interruption in his availability, plus the uh, broken finger or fingers or multiple breaks within a finger that Will Fuller suffered in week five or week four, um, Waddle's kind of been the one consistent. And the fact that he had a pre-existing uh, resume and chemistry with Tuatanga Valoa has really helped him and he was the featured guy when Jacoby Brissett was playing as well, but he was averaging like eight and a half yards per catch. And with Tua, it's closer to 12 yards per catch and he's getting more targets and, and there's more catches that are in stride and allowing him to run after catch. So uh, Jalen Watt on the offensive side of the ball is the straw that stirs the drink. As far as the defensive side of the ball, I would classify Javon Holland if he plays as that guy, because he does literally everything and he's responsible for the calls on the back end. Um, but if he's unable to play, if he doesn't clear protocols in time, I would expect Eric Rowe, uh, the veteran safety who got drafted by Philadelphia and he played outside corner and then he went to New England and got kicks inside and played nickel and then came to Miami and they transitioned him to strong safety. And you look at his resume at the University of Utah, uh, he played free safety there. He's played all over the place and he's been in this defensive system for a really long time. Uh, he is the guy and he's played really well this year but his snaps have been eaten into because of the emergence of Javon Holland and uh, the ability of uh, Brandon Jones in the box to be a blitzer. But Brandon Jones missed the last two games with an elbow injury. And we've seen Javon or we've seen Eric Rowe take on a bigger snap count and play really well. So uh, some kind of versatile back end player, whether it's Javon Holland or Eric Rowe is I think the X factor into this game, because that's going to dictate how exotic they feel comfortable getting on the back end and with their defensive calls. Kyle, my last question is just about the quality of the Dolphins special teams. I can tell you for Mm -hmm. the Jets, the kicking game has been an issue all season long. I think any Jets fan would be nervous if you told them the game would come down to special teams. How do things look in Miami? Well, the kicking game's not been anywhere near what the expectation was off of last year. Jason Sanders was first-team All-Pro kicker last year. Didn't make the Pro Bowl because a guy named Justin Tucker is still the best kicker in the NFL year over year. But uh, he was really reliable. I believe he was 33 of 39 for the season kicking field goals. And he's uh, missed as many field goals this year as he has last year. But that's with a month to spare. And that's with nowhere near the same amount of attempts. Uh, to this point in the season. So Sanders himself, as far as consistency in the kicking game has been an issue, but I really like what Miami's doing in the punt team, uh, punt return team. They're rotating a couple of guys back there between Waddle and Javon Holland uh, to get touches in the return game. Uh, And they really have a good group of guys who play on the outside to cover kicks. So whether it's kickoff, or on the punt team, those gunners that play on the outside ha- highlighted by Matt Collins 
who's come on a little bit as a, a depth receiver this year as well. It's up to four touchdown receptions. They have a really good kick coverage unit from that perspective. Uh, those guys on the outside really do a great job. So uh, the peripheral kind of secondary afterthought pieces of special teams uh, is where Miami is shining right now. But as far as the true execution in the kicking game, I don't know if it's that he's got a new holder. I don't know if Jason Sanders is going through something, but he just got himself a nice contract this offseason, and he hasn't really lived up to it with the way he's played thus far. All right, well, Kyle, it's great to chat with you. As always, here's to a good game on Sunday. Absolutely. It's great chatting with you, man. And I hope all of you out there enjoy the game on Sunday. For Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, I'm John Butchko for Locked On Jets. And tune in tomorrow to both of our shows because here at the Locked On Podcast Network, it is your team every day. Have a great Thursday, everybody.